1: To convincing the world that travel food, film was not only possible, but necessary to survive.
2: Welcome back, devoted listener. It's time for Triple Threat Theater, episode number 25. And I am Ryan Miller. And I'm Joe Daxberger. What's up, Dax? What's going on, sir? Time for another one. Season three. Season three, episode one. Mm-hmm. Episode 25 overall uh, Big, big exciting development to yeah. begin the season yeah, Indeed uh, No one thought we'd ever be able to do it, but we did it We got him Joel Lolar, welcome to the podcast Hey, that's me People are excited <laughs> to hear me <laughs> Uh, Well, welcome And uh, are you ready to talk about some uh, fantastic films? Uh...
0: You must have watched different ones than me. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, yes, I'm ready. <laughs> uh, theme for the
2: episode. Dax, do you want to give the dramatic reading? Oh, I do.
0: This episode is... Kativi Ragazzi. Cattivi Ragazzi. <laughs> Which cause... is clearly films that take place at the Olive Garden. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh. <Whoa. sighs>
0: Oh, man. <laughs> there's
3: there's hit number one. <laughs> well, Milzy, Yeah. Cativi uh, Ragazzi is Italian for what, my friend?
2: It is Italian, according to Google Translate, so forgive me if I'm incorrect, but it is uh, Italian for bad boys. Mm, indeed. Uh, the reason for that title being that we are going to be reviewing three Italian Polizio movies. Milsey, tell the people what that even means. (laughs) What is a Polizio Teshi film, you ask? Well, surely everyone has heard of spaghetti westerns, which are typically low-budget Italian knockoffs or uh, western films inspired by American westerns, such as the Man With No Name trilogy, the Ringo films, uh, the Django films, for the most part. So, this Polizio Teshi is pretty much the same exact thing, but for... Dirty Harry style, like, renegade cop and gangster kind of movies. So, the three films that we're going to be discussing today are Caliber 9 from 1972, The Italian Connection, also from 1972, and one of my favorite movie titles of all time, uh, Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man from Mm. 1976. That's a mouthful, that one. Ah, so good, though. I feel like the 70s is
3: the only time you get away with a title like that.
2: Yeah, maybe. I f- I feel like a Italian film is the only time you get away with a title like that. <laughs> like there are some wild titles for like a lot of spaghetti westerns. Mm-hmm. Um that just feel more like sentences than movie titles.
0: Oh yeah. That's definitely true.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well,
3: I wasn't like totally familiar with this genre. I mean, I've known spaghetti western sure, but poliziesco Oh, sorry. Say it for me, Millsy. Policio Teshi. Thank you. Uh, those ones, if I'm going by at least what's just on Amazon Prime video, mm-hmm. there's
2: a ton of these movies. There are. Just like Spaghetti Westerns, if you really start to go down the rabbit hole, there are a bajillion of them. And yes, mm-hmm. most of the ones ever released seem to be on Amazon Prime for free to watch if you have a Prime account.
3: And I at one point was scrolling, and there are some – Flat out ridiculous names for those movies too So Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, I find that uh, Pretty exciting, to be honest
2: Yeah, there's a treasure trove out there to discover And if anybody listening to this Wants to check out the movies we're talking about I doubt these are films that will ever be taken Off of Amazon Prime Because I can't imagine (laughs) anybody else wants to claim them For their own Uh But uh, not to speak of their quality No, of course not Just uh, what you can expect Mm Mm-hmm so how about you, Joel? Dax has said that he hasn't really
0: seen much in the way of this genre before. Are you familiar at all? Uh, a little bit. I uh, there was a documentary on Amazon Prime called I believe it's called Eurocrime. Yep. Which talked about uh these films and I watched a lot of that documentary. Oh. Uh which was also pretty good. Yeah. I like any uh you know, any of the kind of grindhousey uh documentaries history of film the canon films document anything where like people are making stuff i love those types of documentaries oh absolutely so, uh finding out a uh, italian movie companies filming illegally in the streets uh that's i was like oh that's, <laughs> that's my type of thing yes.
2: <laughs> yeah i as well like uh you know there's a lot of different kinds of you know grindhouse films i i like the feeling of these movies where uh, You know, some of them were made within a studio system, but especially, you know, uh, in America you have Hollywood, and that pretty much rules everything except for, like, the most independent of independent cinema. Mm-hmm. And in Italy, I, I don't really think that they have, like, a a Hollywood standard, or at least in the 70s and the 60s, I don't think that they did. So these movies were just, like, a bunch of guys going out with reasonable budgets I think for what they were trying to accomplish and uh just making the wildest shit with no one telling them what to do and there's instances where you know some of the films had to be edited for content or something later on but there's just a life to these movies that um while they may not be the best things ever I don't know there's something redeeming about them to me and I'm talking about you know, Policio movies I'm talking about, the majority of the spaghetti westerns I've seen, the little bit of Jallo that I've seen. Yeah, I've really come to enjoy a good trashy Italian film over the last couple of years.
3: With this, uh, this episode and just triple threat overall, and just as I've gotten older, I've come to like 70s movies a lot. So mm-hmm. this kind of like opened a door for me. Just once I saw these three, And then just, like I said, more of the stuff on Amazon Prime, I was just like, there's like a whole nother world out there I want to check out. (laughs) I mean, even just there, I had to write these down because there was three other movies. I don't even know what they're about, but they come up as like, you know, people also watched these ones. Yep. Three Italians, three Italian films. Terrorism, it could happen here. (laughs) How to Kill a Judge. Mm. And Property is No Longer a Theft. Which I don't even know what that means, <laughs> but I want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, uh, I don't think I'd heard of any of those, and I've looked up a lot of these movies, so that uh-huh. just goes
0: to show how goddamn many there are. I actually really want to see Arrow put it out, but I want to see what have they done to our daughters, what have they done to your daughters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a mix of this and Jalo, which I, I really oh, want to check oh, out. Weird. But uh...
2: Yeah, I think... Um... Oh, God... Uh... Mario Adorf, uh, one of the guys who's in two of the movies that we watched for this episode, mm-hmm. uh, he's in What Have They Done to Your Daughters. Um, oh, really? hmm oh, Nice. That, he's the lead character in The Italian Connection, the guy who has a, an amazing mustache. Um, and yeah. glorious hair. Yeah.
0: 89 years old, still a full head of hair.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and still acting yes. as well. And, uh, yeah, he's an interesting guy. We'll talk a little bit more about him in a little while, but... um. Yeah, uh, this was my idea for an episode. Um, This is just one of those genres where, as time goes on, you know, just in my movie collecting and in movie watching, there's, like, so many things, kind of like what you were saying, Dax, where it seems like every other day I'm discovering some new, like, pathway through the history of film that I want to check out, and there's just, like, no way I have time to watch them all, so... Mm like. I've seen a couple of Policio Petit- Teshi movies before. There's one called Stunt Squad that I watched a couple years ago, which I think might have been the first one I watched. Oh, yeah. And sadly, there were not a whole lot of stunts in Stunt Squad, but um, I digress. Uh, my idea here was just, I-, I-, I looked up a bunch of lists, and all three of these films were near the top of every best Policio Teshi movie list that I saw. So I, f- I figured this would be a good way to you know crack into the genre a bit and explore some more. I'm sure
3: when you, like, uh, offered up this episode originally, and I was just like, sure, you know, most of our answers usually is, yeah, sure, let's do it. I never thought about, like, how are we going to track those ones down? So when it actually came up that we were doing this one, I was sure we we're it was going to be a tough time. But then again, lo and behold, the stuff is all over Amazon Prime for some reason. So that worked out good, too.
2: Yeah, I think it's just because when it comes to Amazon and – Netflix, you know, they have their original content and then other high-profile content they don't own. But a lot of this stuff, I think, just comes from, (laughs) you know, they want to pad it out and they can buy movie packages. Right. It's the same way that Mystery Science Theater 3000 used to do it. They wouldn't go to a studio and, like, hand-pick movies. They would say, like, "Uh, what kind of movie packages do you have? And they'd be like, oh, here's, like, 30 uh shitty old horror movies oh, uh no it, it's, only like, it's only like it's only like 2000 bucks to buy the rights to use all of these on your show right. and they would be like okay we'll buy it and then at least half of a season would just be like movies out of that oh. movie package
3: that's awesome i had no idea that's how they It's
0: do. the USA up all night model oh exactly yeah where it's like we'll sell you Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, but you got to buy the all the Bikini Car Wash movies. Too, like. <laughs> exactly.
2: That's a hun- based on what I've I've heard
0: the MST3K guys say over the years. That's how it works. So, and you can see that now with all the different streaming services, because it's like everyone will get the rights to six new movies, and then it's all old westerns and horror movies and yeah. just like all the wonderful trash.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, but
3: it's so. great for, like, new fans like me or us because I'm like, man, this, this, this Amazon is chock full of this stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. It's so Just, funny, though, because if you search, um, like, live like a cop, die like a man on Amazon, there's, like, six different ones. They all have slightly different titles, slightly <laughs> different yeah. descriptions. Times. Uh-huh. They're like, God damn it, Craig, stop buying copies of this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, like, When we first started, uh, like when I first started watching uh, the movies for this episode, I would notice that there'd be like three different versions of one and I would click around, try and see what was different and think like, oh, maybe one's dubbed, one's like in Italian with subtitles. And I would click on the options at the top of the screen that said, like, you know, language choices or whatever. And I would see, oh, English, and I'd select it, and then I would play the movie, and it would just still be in Italian. So I don't know what any of that shit means, but...
0: Yeah, spoiler, it didn't work. I tried about seven times. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what am I doing wrong here? <laughs> uh, I think the only thing you
2: could possibly do- be doing wrong in this scenario was trying to watch live like a cop die like a man. Such is my lot in life. <laughs> All things considered, I think that uh it, when when uh, Dax and I chose this episode or when the random number number generator chose this episode uh when we last recorded, I think the two of us after we hit the stop button on the show were like, "Oh, that's actually a pretty good episode for Joel," I think. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I mean, there's certainly some stuff in this list, Joel, that you would
2: uh damn us to hell
3: just for having as a possibility. And then there's stuff I think that you'd be into. So I thought, I thought you know, initially this would be one of the stuff you'd be into.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely not watching Moana. No way. <laughs> <sighs> well, <clears throat> without further ado, shall we dive into our first film? Indeed. Uh,
2: from 1972, we have Caliber 9. This was written and directed by Fernando DeLeo, who uh, I'd heard the name before, didn't know a whole lot about him. Turns out he was the assistant director for Sergio Leone's For A Few Dollars More, and he also worked on the script for A Fistful of Dollars, which I thought was pretty cool. So they're all in cahoots.
0: So he copied Yojimbo? (laughs) Yes. Yes, he did. (laughs) <laughs> he rented YoJimbo and got a notebook. That's uh how he co-wrote that film.
2: <laughs> also has directed other such films with fabulous titles like Naked Violence, Shoot First Die Later, Kidnap Syndicate,
0: Loaded Guns, <laughs> and Mr. Scarface.
3: Kidnap Syndicate's like a rap group.
0: That's <laughs> so weird. That's my next 6 sketchbook titles right there. <laughs> But the Italians really know how to uh, how to name a film. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, Way with words, my people.
0: And also
2: had a hand in writing Navajo Joe and Johnny Yuma, the latter of which I have seen and was pretty good. Okay. And has a great right. theme
0: song. Navajo Joe is that a is that Chucky e. Bronson playing an Indian? I think. I think it is. I think it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Actually. Some of the sound effects for Kill Bill come from Navajo Joe. I think.
2: <laughs> oh yes. well, it goes without saying. Anytime you do any research on any uh, Policio Teshi or Italian Spaghetti Western movie, yeah. uh, there's always footnotes about how big of a fan Quentin Tarantino is. So, No. Uh, I don't goes without it. saying he's a big fan of all of these.
3: Mm-hmm. I I did see that as well.
2: And so I will say um, I didn't have a ton of experience with Policio Teshi going into this. I assumed because of the, the name, obviously, police in Policio Teshi being, you know, police officers, I thought it was going to be more like uh, Dirty Harry style rogue cops. And it turns out that really only one of the three movies we watched was, a you know, even in that Dirty Harry vein where it follows the quote unquote good guys. Right. Even though the two quote unquote good guys in Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man are some of the worst people yeah. ever so, in a movie,
0: but yeah. we'll get to that later. Yeah.
3: Not even debatable on that. one. So.
0: <laughs> but- Let me tell you, just right out the gate. It was not easy to be a woman in 1970s Italian cinema. They <laughs> they had a rough go of it in all three of these films. Very much. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true.
2: But uh, yeah, so a little surprise. This was the first one I watched. And this one is very highly regarded on all of the lists that I looked at. Like a lot of the time, this would be number one or two on people's best polizio mm. film lists. And this one is more of like a mobster movie kind of. Uh, Follows a lead character Mobster named Ugo Piazza as he's getting out Of prison uh, where he's been For two years and the first thing that Happens when he gets out is some of his former Mob associates come to Shake him down because uh, $300,000 American uh, went Missing that belonged to Ugo's former boss who They call the American he's like the crime boss In the area
0: that's not what uh, they call Him say it right how, wha- Americano The Americano oh, sorry. <laughs> You are correct Thank you for the uh, the correction
2: But um So basically the thrust of this film Is that everybody thinks that Ugo Took the money And he claims Up, down, backwards, and forwards That he didn't And that it must have been Somebody else in the organization And that's like the big mystery For the whole film Like who did take the money And what's going to happen to poor Ugo Mm-hmm uh so uh who wants to start off on this one? What did we think
3: i this movie was the second one I watched, and kinda like very quickly in all three of them really, but kinda the action starts rolling like almost immediately, you know in some regard with either with the opening scenes or even like this one in particular where like I kind of, like, giggled because, like, they show, like, Ugo getting out of prison after four
2: years or whatever it is, and immediately people start fucking with him. <laughs> yeah, he's walking home, like, <laughs> yeah. with his couple of personal items in his hands, and they, they start shaking right. him down. Uh-huh. And this is, like, the first time I saw
3: um, the aforementioned Mario Adorf as mm-hmm. Rocco.
2: Which I was like immediately fell in love with this guy because I was like, look at this asshole. You know who he looks like to me? Has everybody here seen um, There's Something About Mary? I haven't. He looks like, uh, what's his name? Um, Matt Dillon in There's Something About Mary. Oh, well, yeah. Like with the mustache mustache. and the black hair. Uh Like that's all I could think of when I was watching this. And it feels like this guy, Mario Adorf, is the person that they, like, mimicked his Mm -hmm. look for that character. And there's something about Mary, which, I don't know. There's something I liked about that. (laughs) Yeah. I, like, immediately liked it because, like,
3: uh, Ugo is, like, stone-faced. Basically the entire movie. And then this Rocco character is the complete opposite of that. So Mm -hmm. just, like, every time they were together, like... Kinda of made me smile just because it was like so outrageous.
2: Yeah. Rocco's just like the sleaze ball. He's like wearing like brightly colored suits and stuff, and Ugo is just like uh like a tan trench coat shaved head kind of guy. Yeah.
3: He's just like
2: he's like the seventy two Italian like
3: Jason Statham.
1: I thought I was that, the that the entire time, time. <laughs> I watched it. Oh yeah. For sure.
2: Yeah. Is that he,
0: Jason Statham's dad? <laughs>
2: Yeah, if Jason Statham put on like 50 pounds, he would basically be that dude. <laughs> yes. And he even dressed like Turkish from Snatch with the coat and everything.
0: <laughs> All I could think was how did like transporter error Jason Statham not remake Caliber 9? Like the whole <laughs> oh, time yeah. I of watching it.
2: I mean, he could still probably do it now. He yeah, he probably might could, have to but... gain a
0: little weight for his role. Uh, can I just say one thing about Mario Adorf? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh I think most humans have 32 teeth. I think that dude has 78 teeth. That guy <laughs> has so many teeth. He's like a shark. He's got two rows of teeth. <laughs> I think he does. Uh, it's, it was ridiculous. Every time he, he talked, because he's so he's like so overactive, his mouth is always like wide open. I'm like, uh-huh. hey, that guy's got like 17 teeth right in the front there. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing I learned about him looking him up, you know, in addition to the fact that he's still working, how old he is, and like... How many freaking movies he's done He's like a very well respected And like well beloved actor Outside of the United States Like this guy It's funny because you watch a movie like this And it's like a a lower budget Kind of a knockoff of an American style movie Like gangster movie And he's so ridiculous and over the top He is likable But um, it's just crazy to think that that guy Is like a national treasure somewhere Yeah right In another nation <laughs> He's Italy's worn outs <laughs> Uh, uh, if this... only War Notes were as popular here as uh, yeah, yeah, Mario true. Adorf seemed
0: there, but uh, I really like the opening, like um, scene where they're passing around at the money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like really well done, probably filmed guerrilla style <laughs> through. Uh... Milan or wherever they right. filmed it. There's no permits on any. Of yeah, this movies. is yeah, not a single one. It's just um, funny to
2: think the size of the camera back then. Like nowadays, it's easy to understand how right. someone could like sneak into Disney World and secretly film a scene of like people talking, like that movie from a couple of years ago. But right. like this is like people in the streets with giant film cameras. Like, how do you get away with that?
0: Yeah, right. you can film a movie on your iPhone now, and the, this dude's out there with the. You know, a, a rig <laughs> film this yeah. one scene before the cops show up. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I agree.
2: I'm sure that all of that stuff, um, any, any scenes out on the streets for the most part, unless there's like an actual
0: car crash or something, we
2: probably no
0: permits at all. Well, it's always funny because you can tell um, there'll be a scene in a very crowded area, which is clearly filmed illegally. But then anytime anything has to happen, it'll be like some empty side road in an alley mm-hmm. somewhere. So it's mm-hmm. just like, you know they got permission to film in that alley but they had to make it look more impressive than it actually is. Oh yeah.
3: yeah. I uh, mean, what was that? Milsey? what was our episode? Um, was it Marauder? Something that was like what we thought the entire movie was filmed in like the same like 12 feet of catacombs. Do you remember that one? Um, what, which, which movie? It was like the, the sci-fi, it was one of our early episodes with the
2: the Mad Max. Oh, Maxploitation? Yeah.
3: And there was that one one of those I don't remember which one, but it was like in like the brick like catacombs underneath some building.
2: Um well anyways. Are we I'm... talking about uh someone Joel watched, um nineteen ninety Bronx Warriors?
3: No, it was actually one of the other ones. Not um was it Exterminators?
0: The game or whatever. Um...
3: Endgame? Yeah, I think it was actually Endgame, like that first, like, 20 minutes. of Oh, game the injust- game show
2: portion. <laughs>
3: yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Made me think of that, like, immediately. That yeah, same I thing, like it. Joel's saying, it's like, that's just, you know, oh, we've got this one bombed-out building. We're going to use the basement to pretend it's, uh, you know, the entire game show floor. Mm-hmm. Same thing.
0: Bronx Warrior is also Italian, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That was another, um,
2: the Italians love to knock off uh, popular genres from other countries, and you know, (laughs) Mad Max was Australian, so Italy was just like, hey, we're going to make a bunch of post-apocalyptic movies with people and assless chaps and beat up old cars. And I love them for it. Exactly. So yeah, this one, like I say, surprised me a little bit that it was kind of a pretty straight drama, like there really isn't a ton of action in this one. There's one or two little fight scenes. Uh, This movie even has uh, elements of Jallo in it. uh, Because one of the big things in um, Italian slasher movies is that you'd always either see the killer slightly from behind. Or you would see their hands but with gloves so you couldn't tell like skin toner or sex or gender from their hands. Or you would see stuff from their point of view. And there's that character who you find out at the end is... Ugo's girlfriend's new man, Luca, who works Mm -hmm. at the club with her, who is all, has like the dark hair and like a red jacket with like a white scarf or something that you keep seeing from time to time. So it's got elements of like a lot of different movies, but it didn't really feel whole like an action film to me, which I was a little surprised by. I was expecting more of that from this genre overall.
0: This was the first one I watched and I had kind of the same reaction. Although in the first eight minutes of the film they blow up three people with dynamite in a cave <laughs> right. and i was that like true i was like this is speaking my language and then yeah. it kind of turned into like just a straight drama and i was like yeah. oh oh i'm bobbed when uh i thought you guys were gonna weave there for a yeah. second
3: because <laughs> i was like very curious like how like how do how do these movies like handle like the mob in the 70s in italy like how like how like heavy-handed is that or is it just crime overall i wasn't sure and then like you said, towards the end, they, after they've you know uh, questioned these three people, yeah, you know, it's like oh, we're just gonna blow them up in a cave. You know, it's, it's not even like it's not even like put two of them in a cave and blow them up, and then like wait to try to get you know question the last one or anything. Nope, they just blow up the three of them. Oh yeah, and I said, damn,
0: with acme dynamite that Wiley I- <laughs> Wiley Coyote uses to yeah. catch Roadrunner, I was like
3: this. <laughs> All this happening before
2: the opening credits, I was like, "This is pretty hardcore." Yeah, a couple of these movies, I had forgotten that the opening credits hadn't happened, and then like eight minutes in, after some crazy moment occurs, the music starts and it gives you the title. Mm-hmm. I dug that about this, and I, I believe, have a sne- uh, the next I one. i have a sneaking
0: suspicion that uh, Caliber Nine was funded by the mafia. There's <laughs> at least one monologue where, like the the old Don is like, "This new gang, it's." it's not like the mafia, we had rules, and it's like so pro-mafia. I was like, what am I watching?
3: Oh, So good. I mean, like you said too, it's like it's light on the action, but it seems like probably like every seven or eight minutes, Rocco just shows up wherever Ugo is to slap him around and threaten him some more.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Steal his money, get punched in the face. Right. Or he shows up at that guy Chino's
3: house, and Chino ain't having it. With mm-hmm. Ugo getting like shooken down in his house. There's, a, there's kind of a slap fight there. That's pretty good. A lot of yeah. slapping. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of slapping in these films.
2: Open hand slaps. It's the ultimate disrespect. That's what you got to do. true. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the uh, the real, I guess you'd, yeah, I mean, I guess it's technically an action scene is the uh, the big sequence where pretty much the entire mob family gets murdered. Oh, yeah. At, I mean, uh, I would, s- that, the would the Americano's that certainly house. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of shooting. Now, the thing I couldn't figure out, because obviously, Ugo, there's more going on between those ears than it may seem, because he looks like he would just be like a, you know, kind of an enforcer tough guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I <clears throat> goon. That. Yeah. He looks and, like
0: Gorgeous George from Snatch. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. He
2: definitely does. Yeah. I was like, this he's guy like a mix between be him and the... Jason
0: Statham. Yeah. yeah. He shouldn't be playing like the brains of the outfit. He should be playing like an ex-boxer who <laughs> collects debts for the mob, it looked like. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: So Ugo is played by uh, a guy named Gaston Motion. And uh, he the one thing that some of us may have seen that he was in was The Godfather Part 2. I don't remember him in it. But uh, mm. from what I was reading about him, um, he typically did play tough guy, goons, like we're talking about. And this was one of the only like two or three times he ever really played a leading man. But apparently it really impressed people because this movie does have like a legacy of being... Very well regarded like I mentioned earlier But um what I was saying Before is uh do you guys Have an opinion on this like It turns out he was kind of scheming something All along and like playing people against One another and then He gets taken on a hit Um now that he's like Been kind of forced back into The mob they force him to go Along on a hit where they're gonna kill Chino And the old Don who are friends Of Ugo's and he tries to stop them And Mm -hmm. then the old Don ends up dying and Chino decides to take revenge and kill, like, the entire mob family. Do you think that in some way, like, that worked out perfectly for Ugo in the end. Do you think that that was supposed to be something that he had, like, planned or tried to make happen? Or was that just complete coincidence? Because it seemed like coincidence.
3: Yeah, I don't see him having, like, a long con planned out. I think it was like really like he just was waiting for that one opening to get his money. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it just worked out in his favor. I don't think he could have he could have really planned that one. Yeah, he
0: seems he seems really surprised when Chino and the Don show up on the hit. So yeah, true. I mean, there'd be no reason for him to lie. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't even think like... he fires a shot.
2: Um... No, he actually tries to stop somebody else, and then they get pissed at him. Yeah, yeah. Cause even like the
3: the problems with chino only happen cuz like rocco finds him there it's it's never like insinuated that you know i i think like ugo was in on that part either so mhm yeah just worked out in his favor cuz it seemed like you said it's kinda, not that he he doesn't he just he's so quiet and he's so like stern throughout the whole thing that he he doesn't tip his hand yeah you know, like I, the whole time I'm like, will this guy steal it or not? Like, where is this three hundred thousand? Like, what's going on?
2: I was convinced through the whole movie that he didn't steal it. <laughs> right. So yeah, I was a little bit surprised when he goes and gets the money at the end, mm-hmm. and then gosh, just uh, that ending proving that uh, life of crime just never pays. Oh, it's so great <laughs> by his lady. Yeah. Yep. Which also I did not see coming at all. No, not even a little. I mean, it's one of those things where, like I say, you see. Luca from behind the whole movie, doing stuff like killing people, not knowing who he is, but never for a second, like it's almost like when those scenes weren't happening, I forgot about that angle, and I like wasn't anticipating. They really got me in the end when she, yeah, like when she leaves the door open a little bit, I was like, okay, something's gonna happen here. I was thinking because Rocco was still alive, I was thinking maybe her and Rocco or something. But when Luca walks in behind him, and she's just like, "Shoot him!" I was like, "What?" Right. <laughs> and yeah, then it he gets someone sec- fucking punches her <laughs> in the face. <laughs> I was,
3: I was totally like, "Who?" It took me a second to be like, "Who is this guy?" You know, like I even
2: forgot. Well, he's such a lead. minor character. Yeah, for sure. You see him like twice in the the club, and it just seems like, oh, that's that's the waiter, Luca. Yeah, man, the the triple cross there.
3: Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, she didn't even know. Necessarily, that he had it either.
2: Yeah. Oh, I think that was her whole thing, was like just like everybody else waiting to see. Mm-hmm. um That's obviously why she was, you know, stringing him along. Yeah. So, all told, this movie was not what I was expecting, but I did end up liking it. I was a fan. Oh, me too, for sure.
3: I didn't know what to expect from any of these flat out. So, mm-hmm. you know, each one uh surprised me in their own ways. But as far as like having like, a solid story i feel like this one certainly did
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know cause it was certainly like the not so much the who done it but just the did he or didn't he yeah and that along with like just his overall character i liked and then crazy ass rocco you know was right <laughs> up my alley
2: so
0: <laughs> yeah he was good
2: well any final thoughts on uh, caliber 9 before we move on
0: don't ever speak bad of ugo brazzi as Rocco, sc- <laughs> Rocco screams many a time at the end of the right, film. Right.
2: <laughs> tip your hat to him
0: he says. <laughs> we tip your hat to you Ugo Brazzi. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh. All right, uh moving on, we have also from 1972 The Italian Connection. <laughs> I didn't know going into this because I just picked these titles off of a list at some point that caliber nine and the Italian connection are actually two uh, parts of a trilogy written Mm -hmm. and directed by Fernando de Leo referred to as his uh, what was it called his milieu trilogy so there's a third film called the boss that came out in 1973 we could have watched that could have completed this kind of trilogy but going in, I had no idea. So our yeah. third film is Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man instead. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just... Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man was also written by Fernando De Leo, So there is that connection still. Okay.
3: So, so we're good. We got that covered.
2: <clears throat> yeah. But uh, Caliber 9 wasn't what I was expecting because it wasn't just like a you know rogue cops kind of movie. But pretty quickly in the beginning, you understand what kind of film you're watching. And then it's like a mob film. The Italian Connection was a little more of a curiosity to me where I didn't really know where it was
0: going until about halfway through. Oh, for sure. It um it makes you think it's about one thing and then it it isn't. It's almost like this was a different movie that they cut because Mario Dødorf was so good in the film. Mm-hmm. Like it it <laughs> seems like it's going to be about the two hitman characters. Yeah. But they're, like, barely, Like the first 28 minutes is all about them and, like, this big show of them pretending to kind of be, like, gangsters to get close to these guys. And then, like, halfway through the point, it becomes all about uh, Luca. Yeah. Which so, I, in this I, movie, the Mario Adorf, who
2: plays Rocco in Calibre 9, plays another character named Luca. So, as not to confuse
0: anyone. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Sorry. Right. um, Which
3: uh, Luca Canelli, I believe, is his name,
2: mm -hmm.
3: which I should know because they say his name at least
2: 112 times in this movie. (laughs) At least. (laughs) Well, it's all about him. And what I found fascinating about this one is that this is almost like a, you know, the fugitive or the wrong man kind of movie. Because it's not a mistaken identity film, but basically the plot of this one is there's an American gangster... Who was expecting this huge shipment of heroin, and then it goes missing, and so he assumes that his like Italian counterparts had you know stolen the heroin, and to kind of throw him off the trail, the Italian mobster whose name is Don Vito Trisoldi, uh, he just rats out this guy who is like a small-time small time small town pimp. Yeah, who has nothing to do with it, just as a way to like throw the American mobster off the scent. So he just names Luca Canali, who's just small time pimp minding his own business. Uh he is a pimp. He seems like a reasonably nice guy. He cares about his wife and his daughter or whatever. And so the American mobster then sends two like straight-faced hitmen to Italy to go find and kill Luca. And as soon as he knows what's up uh, and some bad shit happens to him, the movie becomes like almost a revenge picture about him, you know, taking on the entire mob by himself, (laughs) (laughs) which you'd never think this guy would be able to do to look at him. Oh no. Even by looks, but even the first
3: half hour, like, He's not like particularly like hardcore or anything. Kind of just he's got like kind of like a soft impression, really. Even like I think what a half hour in, those couple of goons take him to the wood shop, and they start slapping him around. And mm-hmm. Like uh, you know, I I had to write it down because it's my new favorite line. But it, they're be, They're like slapping him, and then one guy tells him, "Your head's only good for keeping your ears apart." <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> I was like, I was like. I- Primo insult. I have to keep that one. <laughs>
0: oh, my favorite one was the guy that guards the door at the mafia boss's place, and he goes, mm-hmm. "What's up, dog? I see you're not wearing your muzzle." I was like, "Oh, oh <laughs> man, <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. shots fired!" <laughs> uh, yeah, that was good.
2: Yeah, they don't pull any punches.
0: This, yeah, this movie kind of reminded me a little bit of Alfredo Garcia, where it's mm. like a, a dude who far too late finds himself in too deep to a situation he really doesn't understand mm-hmm. and has to kind of fight his way out. I just
2: loved the fact that so yeah, the the first part of the movie does feel a little disjointed because you don't really fully understand what's going on. Uh and it spends a lot of time with the American hitmen uh like going to a club and trying to get information and then fighting some bikers for no real good reason. But then the the movie really takes off. Uh, Right around the end of the second act, when, um, like, trying to flush out Luca, who has evaded um capture a couple of times already just by the skin of his teeth, the mob sends someone to kill his wife and daughter. Mm-hmm. And yes. from that point on, the movie is kind of shot out of a cannon. And it, like, took a completely different turn for me. And Luca became a whole new character. And I just loved the angle of, him. like, all these things are happening to him and he just has no idea why all he wants is someone to tell him like w- okay you guys want me but why why do you want me right <laughs> and there right. really is no reason but man that sequence when his wife and daughter are hit by that van oh. and like it shows the tire like run over the daughter oh, yeah. it's pretty brutal i but like then... made made audible noise when that happened i, went, well,
3: yeah, I was not yeah. expecting to see it there's never
0: been one single scene in a film that turns the tide quite like that moment. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I, I was like kind of, I wasn't that into it. I really hate the two American Hitman characters. They're just like, I don't know, they're very unlikable. And I was just like, what is this movie about? And when that happens, and then there's like a 15-minute chase scene? Yes. Uh-huh. So I good. sat up in my seat, and I was like, all right, you got my attention now. Yeah, I am, <laughs> like, I am yeah. in.
2: I just love that Luca goes from constantly being on the run and being the victim to now he's the aggressor. Like, you killed my wife and child. And that 15 minute chasing you're talking about, it's like you now have learned he will stop at nothing to get his revenge. Yeah, right. it's
0: it's game over. There's no going back, you know, yeah. and uh, that scene is incredible. Yeah, it's
2: fantastic. Once again, probably partially filmed without permits and then partially filmed on like back roads and in like oh, abandoned sure. uh, like carnival grounds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, he he T-bones a car, which I'm pretty sure just happened
3: anyway while they were (laughs) filming, and he kept going.
2: That was an innocent bystander. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah, it starts with Luca jumps in a car, and he's chasing the van. And they're, like, smashing into shit all over the place. And then the van, like, crashes, and the, uh, the driver gets out and runs. Luca, instead of hitting the brakes, just smashes his car into the crashed van and then hops out and chases him. There's a foot chase for a while... And then the guy he's chasing manages to get into another large vehicle, and Luca then jumps onto the car and proceeds to headbutt his way oh. through the windshield to get the guy. And yeah. then they get into another foot chase and a fight scene in the abandoned carnival, which was fucking awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. The sequence where he is fight he's hanging on the side of that truck. Even before he headbutts his way through the windshield to get to the guy, but they're like he's like hanging on the door and mm-hmm. the door is open and he ends like I was blown away. <laughs> and I was that. I
3: was sure that was him. That wasn't even a stunt actor. I was like, that looks just like him. like yeah, did they just hang him on that door. I
0: think so. I wouldn't doubt it to be honest. D- there's no way they could afford a stunt double for that no. dude. there's he yes. was just like belted to the front of that truck. That was <laughs> unbelievable. And yeah. for for a bigger dude, that guy can run. He's oh, not Tom yeah. Cruise level, but he was hauling ass. <laughs> no, yeah,
3: he, he's jumping. All I mean the there's at one point earlier where he like headbutts a telephone and blasts <laughs> it the smithereens. Where I was right. like, oh, I was like, I was like, my man, look, he ain't messing around. So I was like, oh, that's a nice callback where he headbutted his way through a windshield.
0: He had like a little paper cut by his eyebrow. I loved it. I was like, oh no. man. <laughs> Yeah, and then he, even... he kills that dude with, like, a, a spike, a, like a yeah. tent spike or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, like, tracking
2: him through the carnival, and the guy grabs, like, some sharp thing from the ground, and he doesn't even just kill him by stabbing him in the neck. He pulls a fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger and Predator and pins him to the side of that, like, <laughs> wooden, like, carnival car he was next uh-huh. to, and he's just yeah. hanging there by his neck. Oh, that was awesome.
3: I, another thing I like, which kind of makes luca interesting to me is like twice he's double-crossed by like a friend or an associate and he doesn't like take revenge on them necessarily like the mechanic Mm -hmm. and then the other friend that like basically drops a dime on him right to the the mob boss yeah like he never said he never he's always like still like nice about it which i was like that's kind of weird like i wasn't expecting that either I was like, oh, he's gonna shoot this mechanic for sure.
2: And then he's no, nope, just takes some bullets and leaves. Yeah. You know? That second time, I I think that was really interesting because I love the feeling of Luca. I think that's like not long after he went through the big crazy chase scene and uh like kills that guy. It is, yeah, it's right. And after. then he like walks into the apartment he's supposed to meet the guy in like the safe house, and then he comes out with the two mobsters and just the look on Luca's face, like, oh really? After all that <laughs> And then I love the moment where, um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the friend is basically saying, you know, well, look, it's like, I'm turning you in for money. They don't want to hurt you. They just want to talk to you or whatever. And then Luca freaks out and he's like, what are you talking about? They just killed my wife and daughter. And then the friend's like, they did? They did? And then he, like, turns on the mobsters, too. <laughs>
0: it's just like an emotionally packed scene. It's wild. He does like a cartwheel and double kicks both guys with guns <laughs> yeah. off off the table. I was like, Oh yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. He's quick on the draw that Luca too. Yeah. Yeah. And then leading right into like when he goes into like the inner sanctum of the crime boss at the end of the movie where uh, he sneaks in by pretending to be a janitor who's like hardly even trying to clean the floors. He like has his back to him so they won't see his face. And he like, swipes the mop twice, picks up his bucket, walks backwards three paces, sits it down, and swipes again. And it's just a funny sequence, I thought. And another good time when he's a quick on the draw, and as soon as those guys <laughs> walk up, he punches one in the face and shoots the like, other one down in the hallway. Well, that scene where he, I thought that was such a great trick to
3: use, just to pretend to that you're mopping the floor. <laughs> I was like, oh, look at Luca. I was like, man, he's he's pretty good at this for just a a low-level pimp, apparently. He's you know, crafty. He's
0: a- He's got some good tactics. The best, though, is when he knocks that guy out and he knocks on the door and puts him up through the peephole. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was
3: like, man, he's strong, too. Lifted up that corpse. <laughs> and I was thinking
2: to myself, like, okay, the dude's, like, dead or unconscious. What is he going to look like when you look through the peephole? And they show, and he actually does look pretty fucking stupid. He's just, like, <laughs> limp face. He's, he spits out that cigarette and then he looks <laughs> through
3: the peephole. I was like...
0: Yeah, right on the carpet he throws that. <laughs> Who is this guy?
3: Right, what Lu- Luca pops through the door. I think he kicks the he jump kicks through a door at some point.
0: I think that's the main door to like the mob boss's oh, okay, yeah. office. I think he does a uh, <laughs> Van Damme kick through. Oh yeah.
2: I mean, I was like fist pumpered at that point. I was like,
0: "Yeah, Luca."
2: The get thing him. the thing I love about that sequence when he gets into the inner sanctum is that uh like unlike a lot of I feel like it's kind of a trope in a lot of like modern American action films where they want to have like the little showdown with every single bad guy to mm-hmm. show that like the, the good guy isn't just always on top of everything and taking everybody out. Um, but this gets right to the point like he busts into that room and he just shoots everybody like he has right. the drop on him and he drops everyone before they even have a chance to react. Uh-huh. And there was something like frenetic uh, about that and like exciting that I dug.
3: Because it happens fast. It's a lot of quick cuts. Like, I mean, that happens within like eight seconds or something crazy. Yeah.
2: Like that first guy he shoots when he busts into the room is like a dude standing over by uh, like a it's it's like a ledge with like a bunch of like bottles of whiskey and stuff on it. And uh, you're seeing like past the guy into the mirror and he just runs in and he shoots and it cuts to a shot of the guy standing next to the mirror and like a bullet hole just appears in the glass of the mirror and mm-hmm. then the guy hits the floor. And I was just like, God damn, he's brutally taking these people mm-hmm. out. And I, I liked mm-hmm. that about it. Oh yeah. But I think that's kind of an indicator of these uh Policio Teshi movies like they take something like dirty Harry, which is like, you know, uh, a guy uh, against all odds. And, you know, he's got the moment of like the the classic scene in the street with the, you know, do you feel lucky and all that, but the Italian movies, they took those and then they just made them like boiled down and just like super violent and like completely over the top. And I think that that is the thing that really takes an exploitation movie and even if it has like worse acting or worse visuals or whatever it makes it worth watching because you never know what to expect like i was not expecting oh, totally. this entire third act from this movie not at all no absolutely not it was
3: even like just the first half hour i'm like who is this luca guy like when they flipped the switch like it, and it was so good too so i wasn't even it was never at any point that i felt like it it felt like disingenuous or anything Mm-hmm. Maybe just because the pace of it started like got to be so fast Like I was totally into it
2: And I had just watched Caliber 9 before this one Where he plays kind of like a little bit of a goofball character So when he starts off this movie as just like a average pimp Like nothing special mm-hmm. it, it was like even more surprising to me I think when he turns in the second yeah. half of the movie Because I, I was not expecting it from him at all
3: Yeah, same order for me I watched this one last, so
1: I
2: was actually excited
3: to see him in it because I liked him so much in Caliber 9. So i mm-hmm. just like even more pleasantly surprised as it went on.
2: And then, yeah, just another great moment with uh, the mob boss. Oh, so good. Like he sh- screams his head off at him and forces him to tell him like what's going on. And then when the mob boss sits down and like accepts his fate, And makes him shoot him in the chest And uh, it's another (laughs) thing where you would think He would hesitate but he kind of doesn't He's like okay well I was going to kill you anyway So here you go boom right in the chest (laughs) So good And then on top of everything else I didn't expect the movie to have like the big Shootout in Again this scene could have taken Place anywhere Mm -hmm. but when Luca Calls the two hitmen to set up a place For them to meet and have their final showdown They were obviously like hmm no one's gonna care if we shoot a gunfight in this like,
3: yeah.
2: uh, junkyard out in the middle of nowhere. So let's just have them meet in right. a junkyard.
1: Right,
2: <laughs> right. This junk. This junkyard's closed on Sundays. We could just break in and film there. <laughs> the one thing I don't understand about the the junkyard scene, the big climax of the movie, is uh, the kitten. Why, right? Just, like, so he there's a kitten there, okay, it's just showing that, like, despite the fact that Luca's been through all this and he's become, like, a violent person, he can still, like, you know, there's a cute kitten and he can sit there and pet it and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But then why kill the
0: kitten? Because I actually want... thought, uh, sorry, but I actually thought that at one point Luca was going to have the cat in his shirt. It looked like and, it, yeah. And, like, know. the cat would get hit and they would think Luca was dead. Oh, jeez. That's what I thought, and then uh, as soon as the cat showed up, I was like, ah, oh, this cat's dying somehow, <laughs> and then it just, like, happens, and you see it for a split second, but I was like, oh, mm-hmm. oh I guess that was, <laughs> yeah, but I don't yeah. understand the point. They I thought it was going to gonna play a much more uh, important role in the final shootout. Right.
3: <laughs> I was like, like oh, they're going to, like, let him tab this cat to take home because he lost his family, and then they killed it. They took everything from him. Yeah, They I took everything them- from
1: Luca! <laughs> <laughs>
2: I was thinking it would be something along those lines, too. Just like the fact that it, the cat helps show something about him. But then, I don't know, is it just pushing the point even further? Like, you know, life sucks and everything you love will die? Like, mm-hmm. there was no reason for them to shoot the cat. I don't know. I just thought that was weird. Yeah. Um, I liked,
3: it took it kind of took a step back for me in the, the junkyard. Because it got to be a little much with
2: the, the uh, crane and all that. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, again, much- it just feels like they decided to film in a junkyard and they were like, oh, oh shit, we can use right. this crane.
3: <laughs> yeah. But so it's like the way they used it and the shots and everything. And then just like, I was like, wait, is he dropping the car on this guy or not? Mm-hmm. And then he, no, but then he picks him up when I assume crushes him with the, the thing instead. It was all just a little, a little much for me. I was just like, oh. The
0: junkyard um, scene does feel like that classic problem with action movies where they try to squeeze, like, one last action sequence out. Definitely. Oh. And, uh, yeah, I think the the scene in the mob boss's uh, lair, I guess we can call it, uh, was so good that they didn't need yeah, uh, this scene. I wish the hitmen had been dealt with, because they just disappear for 40 minutes after sure. that chase scene. <laughs> well,
3: I was just going to say, same thing. Like, they should have, like, switched those scenes around.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What this movie really needed was for him to shoot the mob boss and then it to just freeze frame on him pointing the gun and say, like, Finney or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. with music swell, which yeah. the next movie we're going to talk about does something very similar to that. And well, it was one of my favorite parts of the movie.
0: <laughs> all three of these movies, uh, I kept checking to see the runtime. And I'd be like, there's only eight minutes left in this movie, and there's a <laughs> oh, lot yeah. of stuff. They still got to wrap up because, man, e- each mm-hmm. one of them is like that. And the same thing. I was like, they get to the junkyard. I was like, there's six minutes left in this movie. What is <laughs> about to happen?
2: Yeah, there's never any, like, falling action or denouement at the end of these movies. So, like, even though this does end pretty quickly after the junkyard scene, I do agree with you guys that it should have ended with the mob boss. Like, him mm-hmm. breaking in, shooting all those guys, screaming at the mob boss and then killing him. That yeah. would have been, like, the, even, if, even if, like... uh the uh, the two hitmen, after trying to catch him all and kill him all this time, realized, oh, we were lied to, and there's no reason for us to go after him after all. And they just like went back to the U.S. or something. I think mm-hmm. that would have been even more interesting than just like a random showdown yeah, at the junkyard. Totally, like,
3: there's no connection with Luca and them. Like, he's never, they've never seen each other. Mm-hmm. But there's total, there's all connection with the mob boss. So it totally should have ended on that. I
0: mean, yeah. the mob boss kills his family, and that's really yeah. what sends the whole thing into the spiral so it that's that feels like the ending of the film and then they're just like oh yeah we forgot to deal with these two american guys Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which they should have at least made the black hitman uh jim brown uh then (laughs) i would have at least been somewhat interested (laughs) uh...
3: i'm curious what you guys think i noticed it more with this with the i don't know if it's the adr or the dubbing or just what it was but it seemed like the audio didn't match up if not, it was Italian? Yeah. I think it's but... that
2: same thing you and I have talked about before, like with those Maxploitation movies, where mm-hmm. to save budget, a lot of these films wouldn't have um, like boom Sound. mics and do yeah. audio recording at yeah. the at the moment. So, I mean, some movies I think just have better dubbing than others, even in their own languages. But yeah, there's definitely instances in this one all three bad. of these where
0: it's yeah, not matching felt, up.
3: It felt like this one was the worst.
0: Mm-hmm. One other weird thing is when I started this movie, we all watched it on Amazon. I take it nobody owns this. Uh, <laughs> Correct. Not my yet. copy, it there was nothing. It just started in the opening scene. Like as soon as I hit play, it was like oh, somebody yeah. had it on pause. Yeah, and I there was, was no I fade was like, oh. in or anything. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I was like, oh, oh, the movie's starting. I thought I think I looked thing. down to have a drink.
2: It made me think, like, did I start watching this at some point and decide to stop, and now it's like resuming play where I stopped? Yeah, I her? thought the
0: exact same thing. I was like, wait a minute, did I accidentally hit? 30 second skip on this movie Yeah, that's just like how these movies
2: end suddenly it's it is awesome though that this movie just opens with the American mob boss telling the two hitmen to go to Italy and we're off and running (laughs) yeah not even an establishing shot (laughs) no no, it literally starts (laughs) mid scene with the mob boss like walking across in front of his desk talking to the two hitmen
0: Uh it's like a lethal weapon when it starts with an action scene but this started in the middle of a conversation (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I love this set for the American Mob Boss. I don't know what who designed that. There, this is what Americans like. Big metal desks and crazy <laughs> lamps, a Japanese light on the back. It almost looked like,
2: like a hotel atrium to me or
0: something. It's kind of yeah, weird looking. It definitely was. <laughs> uh, there's one scene where the the American Mob Boss calls his secretary. He has like the call button on his desk, but clearly there's no room so she just comes from off camera immediately. <laughs> like he, he hits the button and she just walks out. <laughs> <laughs> she was sitting in a chair in the corner. Yeah. Oh, so she good. has another desk right there.
2: <laughs> He's like, We bought this intercom. We're gonna use it. God damn We're it. We're gonna use it, god damn it. <laughs> so a couple of interesting things about the cast of this film. Uh you've got the white hitman and the black hitman. Uh as
0: Joel mentioned, the black hitman could have very easily been played by Jim Brown. I actually uh, thought it was him on the poster. I was, really? like, oh, was, I was like, oh! I was like, oh! Is Jim Brown in this? Awesome, because I know he did a bunch of these movies. Mm-hmm. So I was excited. I assumed, by law of averages, we'd find him in at least one of these, and sadly, no. <laughs> sadly, not. Maybe next time. Uh,
2: this actor's name is actually Woody Strode, uh, and he was one of the first African American men in the NFL post-war. Oh. Um, which he, war? He World played... War Two. Yeah, yeah. He played for the L.A. Rams, and then he went on to act in movies such as Spartacus, The Ten Commandments, Once Upon a Time in the West, Kioma, and his final film before he died was The Quick and the Dead, directed by Sam Raimi. Oh, the young Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Cool. And uh, <clears throat> I'm a little surprised this hasn't come up yet. Uh, Dax, do you want to tell us anything about the White Hitman? Oh, Millsy. Uh I do. I I
3: recognized him immediately. Is that your uncle?
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, even better.
3: He is the mob boss from one of the best movies of all time, Ghost Dog.
2: Yes, Henry Silva. He's like the lead villain in Mm -hmm. Ghost Dog Way of the Samurai. Uh, This guy, I didn't remember his name. Uh, I I know I've seen him in multiple things before, but as soon as I saw him, I was like, I recognize this guy. Uh, He's in the original Ocean's Eleven, he's in The Manchurian Candidate, he's in uh, Clint Eastwood's Sharky's Machine, he's in uh, Alligator, Megaforce, Escape the Bronx, which is the sequel to 1990 Bronx Warriors.
0: Oh, Oh, I've seen that, that's where I recognized him from.
2: I believe he plays Trash's dad, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Uh, He's in Cannonball Run 2, he's in Above the Law with Steven Seagal, Mm -hmm. he is one of the bad guys in Dick Tracy and Ghost Dog the Samurai and he just died like 2 years ago. He's also well, it looks like he's I think he's the star
3: of The Boss which is the third movie in this Frodo oh, DeLeo trilogy, yeah.
2: Uh. Uh yeah, he's the he's the star of that one.
3: So. Yeah, wow. he's got a face that
2: you just kind of want to punch. Like well, he yeah, looks I'm, like an asshole. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I mean as soon as they showed him in this movie I was like, "Oh, I was like, is that the bad guy? (laughs) I was kind of waiting for, uh, I expected the first thing you said about this movie to be (laughs) that he was in Ghost (laughs) Dog, honestly.
3: I was kind of curious if they would uh, call it, so
2: that worked out (laughs) perfect. A couple of other quick things before we move on. Uh, Fun facts about star of this film and co-star of Caliber 9, Mario Adorf, who we've talked extensively about. He was once married to Paul Verhoeven's daughter, Lise. Uh, She was his first wife, and they have a daughter together.
3: Interesting
2: he turned down I, like I looked this guy up and I was thinking to myself after reading that he was like such a big deal overseas like did he break through into American film at all not really for the most part he actually turned down roles in the Godfather and the Wild Bunch I oh, I wonder who he would
0: have played in the Wild
2: Bunch huh. they want him to play general is it Mapatch, the villain who like has the town under his thumb at the end
0: oh that would have been amazing
2: yeah, and uh, also Dax, fun fact for you and I Because there's a reference to this podcast He was er, he was the voice of Draco in the German-dubbed edition of Dragonheart Replacing <laughs> Sean Connery Yes, <laughs> yes Which I think is fascinating Wow, I love it All these connections yeah. So, uh, yeah, this was, it turned out to be a lot of fun, this movie Yes, um, I agree. A little completely. slow to start, but uh, man, does it pick up in the second half. For, I mean, it's totally.
0: Yeah, this was the last one I watched, and I kind of knew how I was going to go. Like with my first two, I watched, mm-hmm. and then this one came along, and like the first thirty minutes, I thought I was going one way, and then uh, man, after that child gets up mm-hmm. in them up in them gears, <laughs> I was like, well, oh. <laughs> all right,
2: <laughs> yeah. Shocking stuff. Those
0: Italians—they do not hold back. Shocking, shocking stuff, indeed. The first shot, when it's shot like through the back of the car as it turns and hits mm-hmm. them, was pretty bad. I was like, "Oh!" I was like, "Oh, man!" And then that shot of that kid going under the wheel—I was like, "Oh, man!" Yeah. They really killed that girl. She's <laughs> dead. Oh,
3: multiple, multiple times in all three of these movies. I said to myself, I was like, I think they really beat that person up. <laughs> or, like, they really just punched that guy in the chest or, you know, like...
2: They're made of stern stuff over there in Italy, man. Yeah, they really just ran those people over. Throw a few thousand lira at a guy and he'll let you punch him in the face. Yeah.
0: Seriously. Did anybody look up the conversion rate? Because they throw around 300,000 lira, like... Uh... I
2: actually did because I wanted to see if I could find the budgets and the, um, the box office of these movies. And so... Yep. Ah uh, man, I want to say well here it's
0: 23 dollars American. Let's say
2: um now this is ni- this is 1970s conversion. God bless the internet. <laughs> so uh let's see uh well the one we just talked about um Italian connection uh made 852 million lira in 1972 mm. when it was released in Italy. And that according to my calculations using a converter online was American now that's 852 million lira to 24,000 that seems pretty ridiculous I don't know if that's accurate but that's what I found online because I know like um
0: I mean they they ripped a dude's eye out for 50 lira (laughs) 50,000
3: lira well in caliber 9 like Chino gives Ugo like 100,000 lira like, it was nothing? So yeah. that made me think. I was like, how much is that supposed well, to yeah, be?
0: In, and in fact, the 300000 is American yes. dollars. If yeah, that's why they're correct. so worried right. about it, because
2: it's so much money. Uh-huh. That's like 3 billion lira. but um, <laughs> in,
0: <laughs> He's become a, a, a lira billionaire just overnight.
2: In um, Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man... Uh, Towards the end of the movie, the uh, the guy who got his eye plucked out, when the two cops go to talk to him and they're trying to, like, buy him off, uh, he hands him half a million lira, which is what he owed to the mob boss so he could pay him back, and then another half a million lira on top of that to, like, inform for them and help out. So, like, mm. yeah, it it's uh, significantly less than the American dollar, let's say.
0: <laughs> sure. Hey, man. They popped that dude's eye out for three grand. <laughs> oh.
2: Alright, shall we move on to our third and final film?
0: I just want to say one last thing about these first two films. Please. You give the Italians a basement and six extras, and they will have the hoppiness club this side (laughs) of Milan. (laughs) Totally. I mean... that's true. Both both of these first two films have extended sequences with go-go dancers (laughs) as six extras try to pretend it's the most happening party in town.
2: And, man, it's so funny because you watch, like, uh... Like Austin Powers, and if there's a dance scene, it's like the camera is constantly going from 45-degree canted angle to the right to 45-degree canted angle to the left with a crash zoom in between watching people dance. And, you know, someone from our generation watches that and probably just thinks, man, that's like just trying to show the crazy 60s or whatever. But then you watch these movies, and I think at least the first two, if not all three, have dancing scenes where they do that. And oh, it's yeah, just really. like it's just like a woman dancing up on a table and there's a guy sitting in a chair beneath her just
0: like zooming in and out and twisting the camera all over mm-hmm. the place. Yeah, like and... Ugo's girlfriend has a... She dances for probably five minutes where it's just like her dancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, that was worth getting out of the house to see back in the 70s, man. You couldn't just hop on Pornhub. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they had entire theaters in Times Square devoted to this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I like worse. that we now
0: know Millsy's go-to for... <laughs> <laughs> Internet pornography. You could have gone with any. You made your choice. Oh, there's red tube. There's there's plenty of options. Um I also love that the editing in these films are definitely not what you see in American films. They're just like winging it, which I love. Mm, totally. There's a scene where uh Luca gets in a car to go see the mechanic and they they shoot him driving away. And, you know, do they cut to him at the mechanic? No. They cut to him immediately pulling into the parking space outside the mechanics like <laughs> mm-hmm. shop. It makes it look like it's right around the corner, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> which I loved. I just die laughing, man.
2: Well, hell, at the end of Caliber 9, after the massacre, when Ugo goes to get the money, it's like he gets in a car, they show him driving for five seconds, and then he's going through like a toll booth, and then he's at his destination, and then he's back through a toll booth, and he runs into the cops, and then they drive to the station. I have no idea how far he's supposed to be going to any of this shit. Like, was the place he hid the money two minutes down the road, or was it supposed to have been like an hour's drive? I I don't know, because
0: then I think he gets off, because they're like, oh, he wasn't even in the city. So it must have been like right, right, further away. Yeah, Ugh. but
2: a hundred percent. I mean, editing is hard, and this was like back in the day where they had to use big machines and actually slice film. They couldn't, yeah, just like toss actual it into film. After Effects and right, yeah, yeah, like mess around with it six ways from Sunday, like today. I just yeah. imagine like some you know sixty eight year old Italian guy with glasses and a visor on, just like puffing on a cigar and dropping <laughs> ashes all over the film, slicing mm. things and being like, "That's good enough." <laughs> Like, if we don't I'm show him coming
0: to the mechanic shop, how will they know that's where he is? <laughs> uh,
2: but again, it's all part of the charm.
0: Indeed. It definitely is.
2: All right, well, let's jump to film number three, the often mentioned already Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man from
0: 1976. Twelve years ago, violence wasn't so wild
1: around the world now try to stuff yourself just in front of the jeweler's show you don't know if the night is live at all i've heard a girl singing with a
2: sigh i've got a cat about this film i actually have the quote here from quentin tarantino he has said that it has one of the greatest titles of all time and it lives up to its name
0: are you feverishly moving your hands around as you uh, read that quote? That <laughs> you can't hear the air rushing by yeah, my microphone? <laughs> I thought I could. I thought it was interference again. <laughs>
3: I was like particularly
0: a fan of the
3: Amazon description of the movie, which only tells you that the opening motorcycle chase was filmed without <laughs> permits.
2: Yeah, I thought that was funny, too. Oh, it was it, like The description of the movie leads off with that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's all you need to know about this film. uh uh-huh. Yeah, so this one, really simple premise, it's just, uh, there's a crime boss, um, gosh, what was his name, Pasqui- Pasquini, and he is running like gambling places around town uh, illegally, and the police have a special force, which, as far as we can tell, is made up of two or three people. And- two
0: two assholes in coats and a uh, Suzuki 400 motorcycle, they, and they don't even get... <laughs> They don't even get one each. They yeah, have a single bike it.
2: between them. They always ride around with one guy, like, hugging the other dude from behind. Uh-huh. And it's always the brunette dude driving, and the oh. blonde guy just imagine having this look on his face, like, God damn it. Why can't? Why don't I know how to drive a
0: motorcycle? They needed a cool car. They needed a cool 70s car to be driving around. And the Suzuki 400, I, I don't mean to slander the motorcycle, but uh, not not the <laughs> coolest ride no. for these two gentlemen.
2: Yeah. If it was one guy on the bike, yes, but two immediately
0: makes it less cool. I couldn't uh I couldn't help but uh I couldn't stop myself from picturing them as Leo and Brad Pitt from uh Once Upon, <laughs> a, upon time a Time, in, time Hollywood, in Hollywood the entire time I watched this movie.
2: Yeah. The guy has a little bit of a Brad Pitt look to him with the oh, longer yeah. blonde hair. Totally. But yeah, this movie is pretty much just uh these two cops who are these like special forces guys. And they kind of seem to play outside the law and just do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. It has a little bit of that, um, like, give me your gun and your badge, uh, Dirty Harry vibe to it. But they never really get reprimanded all that much. No. And this just shows how, like, the Italians, even more than uh, the U.S. kind of exploitation movies from the same time period, really played around with logic with the police department. Because, like there's that scene in the middle of the movie where they get tipped off about a bank robbery and they show up these two cops and they just kind of there's a crowded street people everywhere and they just kind of hide in the bushes at the edge of the park and as soon as they see the bank robbers get out of their van they just shoot all five of them dead in the street without ever even showing themselves they don't attempt to catch them or anything right they assassinate four people who haven't even committed a crime yet
0: yeah (laughs) absolutely
2: But, yeah, like we mentioned earlier, these two guys are, like, they're supposed to be the likable heroes. They are the biggest assholes of any of the characters in any of these movies we watched. Hands down.
3: There's no... If you like these guys, there's something wrong. (laughs) Yeah.
2: They're murdering people left and right and just the fucking sexual harassment and womanizing. Oh my oh, god, yeah. it's disgusting.
0: <laughs> yeah, this the, is the, the first one
2: I watched, so I was like,
0: "Oh, oh boy." <laughs> the, uh, the brunette, the brunette guy slaps a woman so hard, her clothes falls off. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> I was like, "I was like, good god!" And they, the poor secretary at the police station, uh, she gets it horribly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she's she a real a, good
2: sport for putting up with it. <laughs>
3: yeah, she does a pretty good job of uh, throwing it right back in their faces. But man, absolutely, that was, like, that was tough.
2: Yeah, I mean it had I liked the vibe at the very very beginning before they really get into the like who would you fuck talk. No, really, which one of us would you fuck? When they're like fighting over who's going to grab the potted plant and bring it to her. Like I thought that was kind of funny and it almost felt like something James Bond would do right. to money
0: penny or whatever. It feels like a money penny sequence only uh, you get sent to HR afterwards. Like it's yeah, not totally. charming. <laughs> it's like you have to like, go watch a video in HR. Like if,
2: if James Bond, double oh six, and or double oh seven, and double oh six Trevelyan from Goldeneye walked into Money Penny's office, and then like creepily tried to con- like force her to tell them which one of them she'd rather have sex with, that's basically what the scene oh, is. Yeah and Grinch. they don't stop like they just keep asking and she's yeah. like diffusing it and trying to avoid it and then they ask again and mm-hmm. then like they talk to the chief and as they're leaving the one guy's like no really but which one of us would you fuck like come on right. and this scene was
3: like right after the one the one guy uh broke that that dude's neck after he crashed on yeah. the bike so I was like oh boy i don't like these two cats <laughs> yeah. at all so
2: let's go to the very beginning real quick movie opens With uh, these two dudes who we don't even know who they are, really, riding around in a motorcycle together. And then there's a couple of other dudes on a motorcycle wearing helmets. And... I like I thought that they were the dudes with the helmets were going to like rob a bank or something but they just like try and perch, purse snatch so the the guy on the back of the bike grabs this woman's purse and she's either holding on to it by the handle for dear <laughs> life or it's like wrapped around her wrist and she can't let go and they're dragging her behind the motorcycle until they smash her head into like a telephone pole by accident and then she's dead weight. The guy on, they stop, and the guy on the back of the motorcycle just gets out and starts kicking her and like stomping mm-hmm. on her face. So, like, right out of the gate, this one's like, holy shit, it, it this movie's looked, violent. It looked like it was handcuffed to her.
3: I yeah, thought, I at think least. you're right. I think okay, she was like carrying money sense. from the bank or something.
2: Because it yeah. seemed like they were outside of a bank, and I thought they were going to rob it, but. No, it looked like a handcuff thing. So, not that that
3: makes it any less
2: no, no, hard to yeah. watch, but it's, yeah, it's, but I it's think fucked that's up.
3: What, oh, big time.
2: And then the the two main character guys who aren't wearing helmets, they pull up and they they make chase. And uh, the bad guys just leave the uh, the purse behind. And then this is the eponymous scene from the description on Amazon Mm. where they filmed the majority of it without permission during rush hour traffic in Rome. And it goes on forever. A long time. They chase Mm. them all over the place. And then it ends with uh, the motorcycle that they're chasing crashing into the back of a truck. One guy dies immediately. He gets, like, impaled on part of his motorcycle, and the other guy, uh, <laughs> dude walks up
0: to him, and he's like, hey, you okay? You okay? It's all better now. Snaps his neck and kills him. <laughs>
3: yeah. I, was like, I did love... He, he
0: comes... He come, They go through, like, the back of a truck, and he, like, comes flying through the canvas tent uh, mm-hmm. backing of the truck and, like, lands on mm-hmm. the roof. I thought that
2: was pretty great. Yeah. Oh, good yeah. stunts and action in this one, for sure, but... Uh, yeah, what a brutal way to open the movie. And this one is also the one uh, we've mentioned once or twice now. Uh, there's a scene where a guy gets his eye plucked out for like snitching uh, on the mob boss in the movie. And um, I read that there is an uncensored version of the movie where you actually see the guy's eye get plucked out and then someone stomps on it on the ground and crushes it. I'm, I'm telling ouch. you, I bet they really took that guy's eye out. <laughs> And um, so interesting thing about this movie, it is it is written by Fernando DeLeo, who directed the other two, but it's actually directed by Ruggiero Deodato, whose name I immediately recognized. Mm. Your boy, Milsey. Yeah, I don't know about that, but he's <laughs> <laughs> he's the guy who directed Cannibal Holocaust, <laughs> which is one of the most infamous, like gruesome horror movies of all time. And uh, famously also one of Millsy's favorites famously, the director got taken to court because people actually thought that they showed the murder of a woman in the film and they couldn't locate the actress after filming. So he had to bring in like a version of the prop that they used and prove that on camera he didn't actually kill anybody in front of a court. So that's the guy who directed this movie, which is why it is so violent. Yeah, makes sense. Rest in peace, Sea Turtle. yeah. They uh, definitely kill a probably hundred year old turtle live on camera in Cannibal Holocaust. Unbelievable. But uh, anyway, so live like a cop, die like a man. Uh, what's everybody's favorite part of this movie?
1: Um,
0: oh boy, um, there are so many. It's funny. It's funny because there's such a shoestring plot. There's, like, for a while, I didn't even know what they were doing. Like, at one point, they're blowing up cars at a casino. And I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> what does this have to do with anything? But they just keep adding in all the... Like, you mentioned earlier the scene with the bank robber where they kill all five brothers, I think they mm-hmm. were. There's just, like, a hostage situation for 15 minutes in the yeah. middle of the film yeah. just so these guys can drive a their motorcycle through a door and kill three people yeah
3: and if that was their plan to stop that hostage situation was the worst plan ever
0: well yeah everyone could have died they're like we need a helicopter and i was like well what are they gonna do with the helicopter and then the guys go back in the house and i was like oh the brunette guy is gonna be in the house waiting for them i thought the same thing Mm -hmm. and then it's like nope i'm gonna smash through the side door on the (laughs) Suzuki 400 and shoot these guys (laughs) right
2: Yeah, I was thinking they were going to call in the helicopter, let the guys get away, and then follow them in the helicopter or something, but nope. I mean, I, it, I it, do not understand why they called the helicopter. Okay. Was their
0: plan that it would spook them back into the building? Yes. Yeah.
2: Okay. I think that's the only thing it could have been. Which if is... it was, then why weren't there cops waiting inside for them? That, that right. should have been the plan, like Joel said. Right. Yeah, this is definitely a movie where they had this broad concept of two guys trying to take down a mob boss. But then any time in the script that it felt like, man, there's not a whole lot happening, they just had the chief get in touch with them and give them another
0: random crime to take care of. And there's right. your
2: action scene.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna flat out say my favorite part of this entire film is the boys' training sequence where they put tomato can soups behind <laughs> each other and flip around and fire yeah. guns at each other, knocking the can I was like, this is reckless. There's
2: so many lazy somersaults into gunshots. <laughs> Yeah, and they're both using revolvers, and they never stop and reload, and mm. they must each fire at least 28 shots. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely.
0: There's one like <laughs> goes right through the dude's ear and hits that can right behind him. I was like, yeah, what kind <laughs> of training this next, is this? Next time we're all together, we're, doing we're going out to the sand dunes. We're going to shoot at tomato cans <laughs> behind room. each other's heads. <laughs>
3: So, like I said, this was the first one I watched, and like I was saying, like it seems like a lot of these stunts they just do for real. They really beat people up, they, you know they really gouge that guy's eye out like in this one, they show up to torch all those cars, and there's like those two old guards, oh yes, and the one dude's even like, "Hey, old man," and then they proceed to kick the shit out of these two <laughs> old guys. <laughs> and it totally looks like they really did it. I was like I was kind of was like, this looks pretty good, or." They've really just beat these guys up.
2: And then at the end of the scene, they're sitting there tied up on the ground, and they fucking light a ring of fire around yeah. them and just fucking leave them.
0: Right. Why did they have to stand inside the ring of fire so then they have to burn their <laughs> balls jumping out of the ring of fire? Just not tomorrow. It's not a lot of logic. In this I love that all the expensive cars are, like, you can tell the fire is just oh, in front yeah. and behind. Mm. And then when they go to the wide shot where you can see the cars are actually on fire, it's like seven Volkswagen bugs.
2: <laughs> yep. That, that
3: weren't in the dark. prior shots. The yeah. It's,
0: just, it's all these cheap cars that are on fire. And that-
2: they drive up in a car with a bunch of gasoline in the back. Uh, they light their own car on fire as well as all the other ones. And then the one guy's like, oh, you lit our car on fire. And then they just decide, oh, we'll walk home. Like they have lit 30 cars on fire outside of a mob run casino and they just casually walk down the dirt road to Uh leave. Like they're in the middle of nowhere. Oh man, it's a scene where
3: like the third special cop gets killed outside the police station. Yeah. Do you remember Mm -hmm. that? Which is kind of just, I thought was like a silly scene because... You know, they pop his tires and then like one guy like hides around the corner on a motorcycle. Then there's a car across the street with a gunman in it. And all they do is like wait for him to come out, see his tires are bopped. They shoot him with a shotgun from. And he just pops from, out of the
0: back of the car yeah. with a scatter gun. Yeah, and... from 40. They kill him from 40
3: yards away. <laughs> and then they wait for the other guys to come out so they take off. I was like, whoa, whoa.
0: Yeah. Was the guy on the
2: motorcycle there just so that he could kick over the bike of the two main characters yes. so they couldn't make pursuit? Totally. Like, what a fucking
0: weird plan. He was there to go over the roof of that car and get crushed by that second car (laughs) in my second favorite moment from the film. That
2: was, I forgot about that. That was amazing. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. What a movie. Uh, Honestly though probably my favorite part skipping to the very end this movie honestly doesn't have a climactic action scene like if it wasn't for the police chief showing up at the boat at the end uh the two main characters would have gotten their asses blown up by
1: right
0: uh old timey dynamite plunger it um, it got me it got me though cuz i was like again i was looking at the time and i was like there's only 3 minutes left in this movie <laughs> and the mob boss yes. isn't even here uh, I was like, "Are these dudes about to get blown up as they uh, assault this poor this poor Swedish woman inside the world's crappiest boat?"
3: <laughs> I had the exact same experience because I paused it by accident when they're on the boat, and I literally like, I, Megan was here, and I think I said out loud, "I was like, holy shit!" I was like, "This movie's about to end. What is going to happen?" <laughs> And then I was like, I hate these guys so much. I was like, please let them get blown up. I thought they were going to get get blown
2: up up. because Uh, I was like, oh, they're trying to say like these guys were like the bad guys the whole time because of like how they womanize and everything. But my favorite part of the movie, no joke, is (laughs) the, the police chief shows up out of nowhere, kills the bad guys. Uh, the two main characters come out and they walk into the barn and they see the dynamite plunger there and they just look at each other like, eh, why the hell not? And uh, then they they blow up the boat together. And the final shot of the movie is the, the most greatest miniature uh, ever built by miniature man: <laughs> boat in like a little stream. Yep. Just you see it for one point three seconds. It blows up and it freeze frames on the explosion. Yeah. Fini,
0: and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> that like, dock is made entirely out of popsicle sticks. It looks <laughs> yeah, for sure. incredible.
2: I just love it. That was, like, the biggest special effect in the movie. Like, they built a miniature boat for that. Uh-huh.
3: But then they just, like, had it in some shitty pond
2: because it's all just, like, crab grass all around. You know? <laughs> Giant yeah. Crab, yeah. <laughs> Giant reeds. A like, duck swims yeah, it's so by. It's... If they hadn't freeze-framed on it, oh. then maybe it would be slightly believable if they just showed it for, like, two seconds as, as it right. exploded. Right. But when they freeze-frame, you're obviously just looking at, like, a riverbank.
3: Mm-hmm. It made yeah. me think, like, just because of the name, like, live like a cop, die like a man, I was like, they're really going to die. They're really going to die. Yeah. They're going to get blown up. I was, I was, like, legitimately disappointed. Yeah.
2: But I, then they blew up, totally up that, that horrible-looking boat, so it was
3: slightly redeemed.
2: I just love any movie that ends on a fucking crazy freeze frame like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh yeah, this movie has no shortage of action. Um There's also a scene where they go to another one of these little like makeshift gambling places and they take two random dudes out of this entire crowd that they let leave the place. They take two random guys captive and they hang them by the ceiling, by their wrists with handcuffs so that their wrists are like bleeding. And then they just use them like fucking punching bags and grab their balls and squeeze them and <laughs> slap them in <laughs> right, the face. Right. And, and then they <laughs> just leave them there. Like I understand yeah. that these are technically criminals, but they're not like murderers. They were just guys doing illegal gambling. They've done nothing nearly as bad as these two cops have done. Yeah, these cops, they just kill everybody. And I mean, that is a element, again, of that like Dirty Harry inspired 70s and like 80s revenge film cop like action drama kind of thing where, you know, the cops do what has to be done and make the hard decisions. But typically in those movies, like all the Dirty Harry films, Uh, Harry isn't just going around like he sees a bad guy and immediately shoots him. Like, it always feels like there's a determination that I'm going to kill this guy before he can do anything wrong. These guys, it's like pre-crime for Minority Report. They're like, oh, you're telling me
0: he's a criminal? Okay, I'm going to shoot him right now before he can do anything. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. ridiculous. The Italians Mm. love to shoot people in the base of the spine. I swear, everybody, every other person in all these films gets shot in the back and goes,
1: ah! (laughs)
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, I love
2: it. Yeah, you don't often see entrance or exit wounds. The uh the third special force guy who gets uh killed when his tires get popped at the beginning, you
0: do see some squibs go off in him. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you see some uh you see some good exit wounds in the like sand the sand dune training sequence where they try to kill him. They shoot yeah, that one guy. In the it's like, <laughs> he gets that play-doh on his head. <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh, and the final guy who gets shot
2: when he's creeping around that piece of heavy machinery and he looks up and it's a pair of feet and they open up and the brunette guy's sitting there with a gun aimed at him and just shoots him in the face. You don't see any kind of wound, but the guy just reels back and he's just gushing blood out of his mouth.
0: Uh-huh. I think he had like a hole in his cheek though. I think oh, if you did watched, he? I didn't I, notice Yeah, that. yeah, he did. So. he did. Okay. We gotta I gotta talk about one other thing. Um the score of this film in particular. There is like almost no music, and then all of a sudden, some like 70s porn music will come on mm-hmm. just over like different scenes, and that's weird enough. With English but... dialogue or. Yeah, no. That, that's later though. There's like a score with like, like heavy bass, like doom, 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 doom. But then later, two different scenes. Just randomly, like, this happy guitar music starts to play. And then Italian Bob Dylan just starts singing (laughs) half in English and half in Italian. And this is incredible.
3: I don't remember. One of the other movies does
2: it with, like, English dialogue uh, singing, which...
3: I don't remember which one it was, but it's not – this isn't the only one. This
2: one definitely had English – because, like, what I was thinking, you know, since when I edit these episodes, I always put a movie quote in, which you will have heard by now when you're listening to this, uh, before each review – And we've had it once or twice where we've watched a foreign language film and I've just been like, ah, people are going to have to guess what they're saying because there's Mm -hmm. no subtitles in a podcast. But for this one where it's three foreign films, I was thinking to myself, well, maybe I'll just use the like opening music or the closing music from each movie instead of like a clip. And then like caliber nine has like some awesome, like 70s Italian instrumental, uh, the Italian connection, awesome 70s Italian instrumental. This movie, the opening song when the two guys are riding around on their motorcycle together, it's like a shitty American vocalist on like some old 70s obscure song. And it's just like completely unlike the other two, which is mm-hmm. so weird.
3: Yeah, Caliber Nine actually has some pretty good music because it's kind of weird, but.
2: I love the music during the uh, the crazy chase scene uh, in the middle of Italian Connection. That music was fucking awesome too. There's
0: a sequence in this movie where everybody meets the mob boss on the train, mm-hmm. and uh, after the mob boss gets off the train and goes to his car, there's like an awesome uh, instrumental track that plays.
3: Oh, I just I would have loved it so much if the boss lived, blew them up, and just like walked away off screen, or you know, freeze framed on him. Mm -hmm. blowing them up uh, would have been so much better.
2: Yeah, that would have been a bold choice, but I think it would have been the better choice, Mm because seeing the two of them, like, victorious, even though they didn't succeed at the end, like, they literally, there was no final action scene, and they almost got blown up. Yeah, like, Like they got saved. Yeah, and, but this is a movie where, like, you know, we already talked about the way that they treat the secretary at the police station, and then there's, was it the mob boss's Sister? sister. Yeah. yeah. So they f- they track her down, and they go to the house. And then was that like a like a caretaker, or was that supposed to be like her mother?
0: I think there was like a maid or something. Yeah. It was more of a maid or something.
2: So it's basically the sister is living kind of on lockdown uh, because she's the crime boss's sister. And she's just like a fucking nympho who never gets to leave the house and will fuck anything that moves. And so while the blonde dude is in the kitchen talking to the caretaker, trying to get uh, like uh information. The brunette dude is in talking to her. This is the scene that Joel talked about where he slaps her so hard that her clothes kind of tear open. Mm-hmm. And then they just get it on. So bad. And it cuts out to the kitchen where the blonde dude is kind of interrogating the, the maid or whatever, and you, you're you hearing them doing it in the other room, and I'm thinking, like, is this played for comedy? Is she going to hear this and freak out? But no, she hears it. She understands, and she's like, oh, she all she wants is sex. Why don't you go get some, too? And then he goes in and fucks her.
1: Hmm.
2: And then she's like, I'm making some eggs for you. I'm making four eggs.
3: <laughs> so I, was just like, I was like, oh, you're going to make a breakfast? But then it made it seem like right after that the boss wanted her to do that, to get information. No, I completely, was... I completely missed yeah, that. Yeah, no, same point. here. <laughs> yeah, he's like as asking the sister about the guys. So oh
2: yeah, like, because yeah, the um, what do you call it? The maid or whatever goes
0: and meets him on the bus, on mm-hmm. the train. Yeah, right.
3: So I didn't, I didn't know if it was like purposely he wanted that to happen. I don't know. I don't I just... think it was
0: purposely. I think uh, it was more. She she doesn't mention that part at least right. in the scene we see. Oh. It's more just like the two cops I came mean, to the house. No,
3: nothing helps it to be less cringeworthy, but <laughs> I didn't yeah, know. It but, was
0: funny because uh, this was the second one I watched, but I was like, oh, there's not like a lot of gratuitous nudity like we get in the states exploitation films. And then he slapped her so hard her clothes fell off, and then there was I was just like, ah, there it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, caliber yeah.
2: nine. I don't recall having any nudity. Um, the girlfriend... there's like a
0: love scene between Ugo and his girl. Oh but right, I don't, right, right, right. You yeah. might see. Uh, Side boob, topless, for sure briefly well, but
2: yeah the other two definitely have uh some nudity because there's like the whole scene with uh luca in italian connection where he like wakes up in bed next to one of his uh prostitutes and has an argument with her and she's just mm-hmm. topless the entire yeah. time
0: yeah, both films end it's it's like uh you know the movie's not over till the fat lady sings both of the the second two films we're talking about uh they end once a topless swede shows up it's uh
2: <laughs> oh, right. sure. Yeah,
0: that's how you know that the movie is wrapping up <laughs> that's
2: true. but yeah so there's one other scene that just shows how much of uh, sexual deviance these two guys are and I actually think because of the implications and the way that they act in the scene it might be the worst one so we learn in one scene when they wake up uh, that they you know oh, they yeah. ride around on the motorcycle together they're partners they have like this kind of way of not speaking to one another yet always knowing like what the other one's thinking and they wake up together in, in the same room in an apartment that, where they live and their maid comes. And as they're leaving the house, oh, the one man. guy taunts the maid and he's like, Hey, when are you going to bring that niece or that daughter or whatever years back? She was cute. And then the maid freaks out and like chases them out of their own apartment, screaming about like, uh, you know, she'd better get her period. Otherwise you guys are in trouble. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, what? And they're no, like, that's laughing not even and yelling at her down the stairs and they like yeah. high five or whatever. But like, they're oh. like, it's not our problem. Ta-da. And then they're the <laughs> worst. Yeah. I mean, that was that was rough. I was like, who who am I supposed to root for in this movie? Yeah, like I'm 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 down with like the whole James Bond like getting several women throughout the movie or whatever, male fantasy thing, but this took it to like a dirty level yeah, that I wasn't very, into.
1: Very. <clears throat>
2: but uh Yeah, so this one honestly of the three was the most like what I was expecting from the genre, just because of like how over the top and violent and how much action there was. It's almost like three tiers of Polizio Teshi movie. We watched caliber nine was like the most, like a real movie felt a little bit more like a drama. The second one, Italian connection kind of bridges the gap between the two for me a little bit. feels trashier than caliber nine, but there's really not much in the way of action until the second half. And this one is just like, bare bones plot crazy action and shit throughout the entire thing Mm -hmm. so i feel like we got a pretty good spectrum here to be completely honest i'd
3: say so it was good picks all around mills
2: yeah i don't think there was anything else i had to say about this one um anything else you guys wanted to talk about oh yeah there's there's one other thing there was a sequel planned to this but they ended up not making it because the two main actors Mark Perel and Ray Lovelock, who play Brunette and Blonde, as we've referred to them, respectively, hated each other and couldn't get along.
0: Alfredo Hmm. and I don't know the other guy's name. I think it also starts with an A. Uh,
2: Fred and Tony are the two characters.
0: Yeah, well, Alfredo. Fred could be short for Alfredo.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so anything else about these guys before we move on? Uh, I I don't think think so. think we've covered it. All right, if I'm not mistaken, this is the time in the show where we talk about some posters for these movies. Indeed, indeed. Start up, Millsy. All right, well, going in chronological order, we've got uh, Caliber 9, which the Italian name is Milano Caliber 9. I'm not 100% Mm -hmm. sure why. I mean, posters for these Italian movies of like exploitation variety from this era are typically pretty awesome. So I had pretty high hopes for some of these. This one's a little on the tamer side, but it's like a classic painted poster. Yeah. You got a bunch of the characters at the top. Uh, you got our friend uh Adolfo right in the front mm-hmm. with his mustache. Oh yeah. Kind of a cityscape below. Everything's kind of uh sepia-toned except for the title is bright red. And then we've got kind of a like stark black and white hand holding a gun in the middle. Yeah, which they should have left out. Yeah, I kind of agree. Yeah. No. That 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 feels like if it
3: was current times, that would have been like some executive was like, "Nope, you got to put a gun in there. I don't
2: care where you put it, just stick it in there." Yeah, like it's got caliber in the name. There's got to be a gun on the poster. <laughs> I need like a <laughs>
3: I need a, a floating hand with a gun right now. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, how do you feel about this one, Joel?
0: Um, <clears throat> I wish the colors were a little bit more vibrant. I like uh, when I think of kind of the '70s. Movie posters, I kind of think of like vibrant painted covers, uh, covers, Mm -hmm. colors. Uh, I find the city to be kind of boring and the like silhouette of the dudes going into the car, I think is unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Uh, The, 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 the actors themselves all look good and you can tell who's who. And so I think in that regard, I I think it's pretty effective, but overall uh, it's not my favorite. Yeah,
2: The actors up at the top, the style of the painting really reminds me of uh, what uh, Sean Phillips does with a oh, lot of his like criminal totally. covers and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, that. see, I couldn't place what it reminded me of, but now that you say that, I think that's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I also think it's funny that uh, Mario Ardorf is the biggest of all of them when yeah. he's not really the main character. He's got top billing, technically, I guess. Cause I wonder first. if
2: that is because he was kind of a big deal.
0: Had, Maybe. Had gotta be.
2: Yeah, so, like, you know, uh, in keeping with what I was saying earlier, where of the three movies, this is the most toned down, the most, like, a quote-unquote real movie or a drama. I feel like the poster kind of fits it. Like, it's not the insane montage you expect from, like, a lot of these action movies and Italian westerns from the time period. I do think it's just a little drab, though.
0: Mm -hmm. I think some color, if they bumped up the colors, I think it would help a lot. Um, mm-hmm.
3: Even just lo- losing the gun, bumping up the colors would make this far more appealing.
0: May, like I kind of dig the ink washy sort of look to it, but this so- all that white space just feels empty. It doesn't feel like it's done on purpose because if you look behind the title, like the ink wash fades all the way down, but then it doesn't on the sides. I don't yeah. know. You could just, mm-hmm. um, but yeah,
2: yeah. I think we're all on the same page on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get to the Italian connection, and this is a little more what I kind of expect from movies of this caliber.
0: This feels like a poster they make before the movie's done to sell to investors. <laughs>
2: right. Which I would believe 100% if they didn't have the crane thing in there, because that's an awfully specific thing
0: right. to put in. right. right. But all the stuff on the bottom, like the woman laying on the table, the guy getting punched, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, which does not appear in the film, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, this the sports like... car driving down the stairs—none uh, yeah. of this is in the film. So, yeah, the, mar-
3: the marble, <laughs> the marble statues with columns, the piece like <laughs> yeah. that. Could, this well, is—I think this one's
0: real rough. How else would you know that it was in Rome without those statues and, yeah. and pillars? I
3: mean, even like the. Like, there's no, like, I feel like hierarchy with the characters. They're all like pretty similar sized heads, but they're not like in the same scenes together either. I
2: mean, is the only shot of Mario that we get that dude in the brown suit punching down at the bottom of the poster?
0: I mean, Mm. is that really even supposed to be him?
2: I I can, I mean, the image is a little grainy on my phone. This is an old poster, but it looks like he has a mustache. That could be him.
0: I like Leatherface is driving the crane, apparently.
2: oh that is kind of what it looks like yeah. I, I do I, like I, that image of the crane at the top though with the dude's limbs sticking uh, out that's pretty good
0: the dude from ghost dog that was the best photo reference you had for that guy <laughs> <just> like... <laughs> oh, this he sucks. was yelling
2: for his assistant to get him a coffee and they snapped a yeah, picture of him they
0: snapped a yeah. the picture uh like, so the yeah crane's
3: way too big but we got to fit these other 12 elements in here
0: so get i'm him telling in. you they made the bottom half of this poster and sold it to financers and then they added in everything above that woman mm-hmm. on the table in mm-hmm. in post once they actually filmed the film
3: it's crazy yep. enough that could even be true because it 's like why else would you add these columns unless you 're trying to like stretch out the yeah.
0: you know the image don't worry once we cast some people we 'll finish the poster but i mean look <laughs> at that look at that red car going down the stairs you don 't want to <laughs> give us money for this movie it 's uh... going down the stairs <laughs> like the the dude kisses, like Elvis is clearly feeling up on some like chick by the Leaning Tower of P- Pisa. Uh, it's a...
2: <laughs> it almost looks like that someone is punching the Leaning Tower of Pisa there.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's that's not a great tangent. You don't want to do no. that.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, I will say though, just for like kitsch factor, I I do enjoy this poster. I find it fun to look at, even if it's not indicative of the film.
0: The color's great. I mean, but most exploitation films, they have like a really cool poster that has nothing to do with the film. So this yeah. does fit kind of that historical thing. Yeah, I mean, people I like. fighting,
2: a racing car, someone tumbling, a dude in a crazy contraption, someone yeah. yelling, and a yeah, mostly it's... naked chick laying on a table. I, like...
3: I personally would totally like all that better if it was bigger because I hate the crane. I think the crane is like the most
0: unappealing part of the whole thing. Yeah, if you I would lose that. If you get rid of that, yeah, because uh, it kind of spoiled the end of the movie, because as soon as they get to the junkyard, they show the crane. It's probably exactly what they referenced for this painting. Yeah. Right. It's the exact shot. I was like, oh, there's the crane. I was yeah. like, well, this movie's definitely ending with somebody ending up in that uh, <laughs> right. crane.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: If they just made like the actors bigger uh, around the right there alongside that column with the, yeah. you know, the uh, tagline of the film, I think it would be much more successful.
2: And what a tagline. When Godfather
0: signs your contract, there's no place in the world you can hide. Mm. Which is ridiculous, because the entire film takes place in Milan. He didn't (laughs) even try to hide anyplace else. Yeah.
2: (laughs) He couldn't get out of town.
0: Literally all he does the entire film, despite the fact that everybody is searching for him, is hide.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And it's just funny to me that it says, when Godfather signs your contract. like Does that not need a the in front of it, I would think? Unless someone's actual name is Godfather? And I don't think anyone's referred to as the Godfather no, there, in the there movie. There is some I crime think, bosses, but I think that's totally just try to get some. No, clout they do. Off they of said
0: the uh, they actually do. They say uh, whoever brings him Luca, uh, he'll be Godfather to them. Uh,
3: oh, that's right. That's right. So, okay.
0: Okay. I also don't like the the way the crane goes off the yellow. Like I feel like the yellow should extend. Mm. Neon, I kind of like a
2: that a little bit myself, honestly, just uh, it's a it's a neat design element, I think, that it kind of breaks the main image of the picture, because a lot of old movie posters from this time period had a white border on them.
0: Yeah, I, I like a lot of that, but it just feels like it ends right at the top of the pillars feels weird to me. Yeah. That is more ex- weird.
2: That, see, that is what makes it kind of feel like they extended the poster from what it originally
0: was. For sure. Right, yeah. Like, I'd extend it up to maybe the sleeve of his arm, and you could still do the panel break, but, you know... Uh, mm-hmm. Have it's just it feels too neat the way it ends right mm-hmm. at the top of the pillars. Yeah, totally, I mean, you don't yeah. even need the pillars if we're being honest. <laughs> no, no, of course not. Uh, and then finally, we have
2: "Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man."
0: Now we're talking.
2: This is my favorite one. This <laughs> is sure. an exploitation yeah. poster. E- the font, easily,
0: the font is incredible. You know, the guns mm-hmm. and just yeah, the motorcycle. the The colors mm-hmm. are great. Yeah, it looks like uh, the.
3: Motorcycles. Those are skulls in those yes, helmets. Yes, it almost. does. I you just know. noticed
0: that. Yeah, uh, this one is great. It... This is far and away the best one. Yeah, it's it's not even a question.
2: Yeah, it's what you expect. It almost the style of it um, almost feels more like a uh, spaghetti western poster than a like cop movie. A mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: definitely the the font definitely feels like uh, any Sergio Leone western. You could see, mm-hmm. you know. Once Upon a Time in Mexico in that fawn or, or uh, you know, any of the Man With No Name trilogy wouldn't feel out of place. Yep. And you got paintings of your main characters that don't
2: quite look like the actors, but that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I'd yep. say they're close enough. Yeah. I mean, one guy's blonde and one guy's brunette. What more do you really need? They're sure. firing guns at you. And, you know, everything on this poster is from the film because the only other element is the motorcycle. And it's the very opening, but it's still in there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so. that was, this is just like a, the perfect amount of like element
3: from the movie. The two guys, something good from one of the big scenes, and it's drawn well.
2: Yeah. So for me, colorful. Yeah. For me, I would say live like a cop, die like a man gets caliber five. Italian Connection gets a caliber four, and <laughs> caliber nine gets caliber three for me, as far as the posters go. Mm. I got to check my
0: conversion rate, but I think I agree mostly. <laughs> How many lira? <laughs> How many lira? I would uh, I would buy that poster for 300,000 lira. <laughs> That's a
2: I goddamn would, bargain.
0: I
3: take caliber nine in the middle, personally. I put talent connections oh. at the bottom for me.
0: Okay.
2: Fair enough. All right. Uh, well, now All it's right. time to really get to the nitty gritty. It's uh, party time. Buy, borrow, burn time. Uh, Joel, you get the distinction of being only the third person, aside from Dax and I, to buy, borrow, and burn a film, so... Uh would you like to go first?
0: Uh sure, I'll go first. Um, um did, let's was see. everyone
3: did everyone know how they were going before the episode started or
0: uh, without I, saying what you're going without saying your picks yet, but like did you know I uh I, f- I felt like even as I watched them I was ranking them cuz I knew we had to do this and uh uh I kind of knew where I was going and I'm still probably going to go the way I came in thinking mm-hmm. but Definitely, the discussion of several of these films makes me uh, think a little bit more about my decision. But I, I'm confident in uh, in what I'm going to go with.
1: Gotcha.
0: Yeah, I definitely through this
2: conversation have been questioning my original thoughts, but uh, so I we'll like
0: it. I got to kind of think, you know, what I like from these types of exploitation films, and that's kind of going to be what I go with. So uh, I'm going to burn. Caliber nine. It's a good film. I liked it. But I don't really see any desire to revisit it in the near future. Okay. Uh I'm going to borrow the Italian Connection. And I'm going to buy uh Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man. If if Italian Connection could have kept up the last forty five minutes of this film for the entire runtime it would definitely be the one I would buy. Once those kids, once his family gets killed, it turns into a completely different film. Yep. It's mm-hmm. incredible. I I loved it. I was on the edge of my seat for the last 45 minutes. That first 40 minutes is a little tough to get through. It's kind of a mess. And I wasn't um as big of a fan live like a cop. Die like a man. The two guys are complete assholes. And uh, at no point are you rooting for them, but it has the blood. It has the action and, uh, the kind of 70s music and kind of general goofiness that I like from exploitation films. This would probably be the one I would watch before I watch the other two. Okay. Well said. Uh, Dax, you or me next? What's it going to
2: be? You decide, friendo. All right, I'll go. Um, The order that you said, Joel, is exactly the order that I was expecting to to give going in. Okay. Uh, I'm still going to burn Caliber 9 because, similar to you, uh, like I said, when I watched it, it was the first one I watched, and going into this expecting, like, over-the-top exploitation, it was not really that. And it's it's almost like I'm saying it's the best of the three movies, but I'm ranking it at the bottom because it's not, like, as bad as I was expecting, which sounds weird, but... Um, I agree. It was it also the first film. one I watched. Yeah, yeah. It is a good film, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of not what I was expecting. And I was in the mood for a certain thing and it didn't fully deliver on that. So like, I respect it, but I don't love it. Uh, And I mean, through our discussion, I considered putting Italian connection at the top because that second half of the movie and the transition that Luca goes through in the movie is awesome. And there's some great action in it, but I think I do still have to fall back on my initial impressions and say that I would borrow that film because the first bit is pretty meandering. I love that feeling it gives me when the transition happens in the middle, but uh, really for full-on blood, guts, ridiculous nonsense, nudity, and over-the-top action, live like a cop, die like a man, and the title. (laughs) I mean, it has to earn points for that title, which I love. So I'm going to burn Caliber 9, borrow the Italian connection, and buy... Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man as well. Well played. All right, I'm up.
3: I am going to just come out and say I am burning Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man. Oh. Um, I mean, as far as like it being the exploitation film, I get that. But ultimately, it's the story-wise didn't do anything for me. I didn't like the main characters. And I... maybe it would have gone different if I got that ending I was hoping for in the last few seconds, but, um, yeah, just like the over the topness of it. Like I get like, like that's again, this was the first one I watched. So I was like, I was expecting this and that's what it was. And that doesn't actually mean that's what like is works best for me. So ultimately, yeah, that's a, that's like an easy burn for me. Um, I will borrow Calibre 9 and buy The Italian Connection. Mm. Um, Calibre 9, I liked a lot. um, And that one was just, I liked the characters in that more. I thought the acting was better. Um, There's not much action, like we said, but the little bits of stuff we get, I enjoyed. And just the overall story, like felt tight, where maybe, yes, that's not, not particular to the genre, but I still enjoyed that one. And then Italian Connection is like, Kind of somewhere in the middle of the two, like, uh, kind of feeling-wise. But it just, I enjoyed that one the most. And that felt like it was the best of both worlds, where it was an interesting story to me. Like, the whole the whole part of, like, Luca and, like, why he's going through this, I enjoyed the whole time. And then it halfway through is when they kick up into the craziness. So was, that was the last one I watched. And as soon as I was, like, got to the end of that one, I pretty much knew my how my three were going and it nice. stayed. so
0: yeah it's it's just funny because i i watched um caliber nine first and i actually i didn't really like it that much i thought it was kind of kind of dull and uh and then watching uh i mean if if there had been a few squibs and a little uh more marinara there in that last shootout <laughs> scene i think it would have uh gone up a couple of points but then when i was watching the italian connection the first 40 minute the italian connection was the last one i watched i was like I was like, uh-oh, these two are going to be duking it out for the bottom. Mm. And then uh, it actually ended up them two duking it out, uh, that, and live like a cop die like a man, duking it out for which one I would buy. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, I stand by
3: my decision. Um, I will say, what could, what can actually be bought of these three? Like... Who put out what kind of editions of these movies, To do we know?
2: Uh, Well, I know that 88 Films put out Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man, but they are a... They're not an American company. They might be like Australian or something. So none of their movies are Region A, which kills me because they have a line of Jackie Chan films that they've put out. And it's, like, all of his early stuff that I would love to own, and I can't unless I buy a region-free Blu-ray player, which I... You'll see. It's time for that region-free Blu-ray player. Man, trust me. Of all the people that should have one. I spend enough money on Blu-rays already just buying the ones that are available in Region A. If I could buy movies from every region, I'm afraid that I would be destitute. (laughs) You would be unstoppable. Yeah. It's the only thing keeping you in check. There aren't enough Billy bookcases at Ikea for me to, <laughs> not to have a of enough empty walls big. in that house. Yeah. Um, I mean, I
0: could see I could see Arrow putting out uh, Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man. I don't see them putting out Caliber 9 or um, even the Italian Connection. But.
2: Yeah, the other two I'm not 100% sure. I'm not aware immediately off the top of my head of them being available anywhere. But if there was an American or a Region A distributor that put them out, I would almost bet on... Uh, kino lorber they're kind of an underdog they don't do like really cool special editions and new artwork like arrow and shout factory and vinegar syndrome do but they have a big catalog Mm. so i've gotten like uh i recently got barcaro which is a spaghetti western with uh lee van cleef and Warren Oates, for example from them and there's only like two special features there's no new art or anything but um they have a lot of stuff, so I would almost bet that they have one or two of these, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. So
3: Arrow has caliber nine.
2: Oh, they do. Mm-hmm. Now, is it region A or region B, though?
3: Um, fascinating radio region free. It <laughs> says, "Oh, excellent! There you go." So yeah, it's kind of cool. Cool artwork too. But
0: nice. Is yeah, it the I one mean, where it's like the gun shooting multiple frames no. of it? No, oh.
3: it's like a silhouette of, it's a silhouette of Hugo against like an orange backdrop of a city, and yeah, it's, it's kind of funky. But nice, um, yeah. I mean, I didn't like, you know, I was kind of happy watching all three of these. I mean, Live Like
2: a Cop didn't do it for me, but it was still like it was good, like introduction to the genre for sure. Uh, apparently there is a Fernando De Leo crime collection that you can get on Amazon, which has several of his uh Teshi movies. And then just doing a quick Google search, Italian Connection is available from somebody on DVD from Walmart for 1099. So oh nice. Fantastic. I mean I like I like legitimately I'm going to watch more of these Palicio Teshi movies on Amazon. <clears throat> yeah there's a lot to go around like we said.
3: <laughs> there really is.
2: Uh there's a good list on Letterboxd where uh somebody collated, uh, like, everybody on Letterboxd's reviews for all the movies and ranked them by, like, Letterboxd favorite. Mm-hmm. That's a good list you should check out if you want to find a couple other ones worth watching, I think. Sold. But uh, I think it's just about time to get out of here. So, um, mm. Joel, we're going to bestow upon you the uh, the gift of choice. Uh Finally. Whether...
0: I've waited my entire life. <laughs>
2: Rather than the random number generator, we're going to let you choose which episode we're going to do next. Currently, there are 205 options, so pick us a number between 1 and 205.
0: Uh, 137. Ooh.
2: 137. Next nice. episode is going to be Cyber Insecurity.
3: Good pick, sir. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So uh by all means let us know on social media uh
0: what Mrs. You think Delphire that means. is definitely one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess Mrs. Delphire, Anaconda and Tron. <laughs> hmm.
2: I would love off air to hear your reasoning for that but uh Furiously writes down those three movies. <laughs> that is a hell of a combo. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so let us know what you think the three movies are going to be for the theme cyber insecurity. And uh in a mere three weeks, we'll be back with that episode. And uh, Joel, thanks for coming on and joining yeah, us man. there, bud. Good times. Thank you for having I think me. It worked out well. So yeah. Uh well, all right. Uh until next time, I'm Ryan Miller.
3: I'm Joe Daxberger.